once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and Jeff McClure. We're back with both of both bald-bearded people present and accounted for. It has been six weeks since uh, Elder Baldy Jeff has joined us on the air. Welcome back. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, I was doing a biological experiment. Yes, on yourself. Yes. Yes. And a vacation. And yes. a vacation. Previous to that was the vacation where you were doing right. a, uh, a survey of the desert. Well, actually of ancient civilization in the desert. But that's yes. you're, you're pretty close, yeah. So welcome back. Uh, this is The Personal Wealth Coach. It is a program about finance, the economy, investing, and everything else except sports. Uh, those are our sports. Uh, however, we have some disclosures we must give before we continue. The name of the program is The Personal Wealth Coach. We're bald. We're bearded. We like puns. Got the majority of the disclosures out of the way to begin with. If any of that offends you, you should quickly change the channel. Um, however, The Personal Wealth Coach is also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. That's not coincidental. This program had the name first, but the firm has two principles that are also the people that are talking what do we call anchors? That means we sink very quickly. <clears throat> we are the two sinking uh, principles. Uh, the SEC says that we've got to say that the firm is registered with them, and then we have to immediately follow up and say that just because we're registered with them doesn't mean that they have given us any kind of endorsement or any kind of um, approval. approval or even uh, at a boy or at a girl. None of that occurs. That is not their job. Uh, and we're registered with them to give investment advice, uh, which is a bit, you know, uh, hard to do on the air. Investment advice means fiduciary in the best interest of the person receiving the advice. And we don't know everybody that's listening and it's not private. So that's not in the best interest. So what the heck are we doing on the air? Hopefully education. We are going to be edumacating the world. Uh, you want to give your disclosure? Well, the information that we present on this educational program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. That's actually a big thing. It is, because there's a lot of information out there that may not be correct. There's yeah, a, lot a lot of, of information in out there that's correct, that is interpreted incorrectly. And there's a lot of sources for information that seem to not particularly care about accuracy or completeness or balance or anything else. So it makes life interesting. Our last disclosure, after having trashed the mainstream media in our uh, very subtle and esoteric way of they are not correct. Um, <laughs> oh, a lot of times they are. Uh, the last disclosure is that we do not pay for this program. Uh, it is not paid commercial advertisement. We don't get paid either. We've been doing this. I've been doing it since 1998. You've been doing it from since the end of 96, which is some kind of voluntary torture to give up our Saturday afternoon or Saturday mornings to provide you with information that you may or may not find acceptable. Um, we do buy advertisements for this program at normal market rates. Uh, then the studio does as well. But I don't think they pay themselves. So they advertise for us and we advertise for us, but only on about the program. All right. So on to what happened this week. What happened this week in the market? Well, <clears throat> there's a great deal of activity up and down. 
uh, was, it showed a very interesting pattern. Typically in the morning, as soon as the New York Stock Exchange would open, it would drop precipitously and then climb back up and be pretty much where it was at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. And that's basically the story of the week. Uh, the S&P 500 stock index, the index we choose to represent the market. I know a lot of people like the Dow Jones 30 industrials and I guess there's some others that people look at, but it closed at 4133.52. Why is that important? Most people don't track that number, but it's a good one. It is a good one to track. Basically, the 4,000 level was important on the S&P 500. And when it is above the 4,000 level currently, it is um, meaningfully optimistic about the future. Below the 4,000 level would suggest it may be going in the other direction. Anyway, uh, it was down one-tenth of 1%. That left it up 7.66% this year, which is not bad because that's about the average gain over the last century or so per year in the S&P 500. So up 7.66, we're not halfway through the year. That indicates it's up quite a lot, relatively speaking. It's 15, it's over 15% higher than it was in October. Now, that's a hard one to explain, except to say that only in retrospect can we see where the bottom of a bear market was. And it looks very much, and, and last time that there was kind of a panic and people were talking, at least to us, about maybe we should get out, maybe they should get out of the market and go to cash or something. The That was probably the bottom in October, which is kind of a traditional place for the market to bottom. It's about 85, the S&P 500 is about 85% higher than it was three years ago. Now, understand, three years ago, we were plunging into the uh, pandemic, recession, uh, bear market. So that's where it was. Now, you can look at it from another perspective, and let's say it's about 14% lower than it was in January of 2022. So the market is either down 14% or up 85%, depending on your perspective. Uh, if you're long-term, if you're an investor, by definition, that's long-term, that minimum would be three years. It's 85% up. If you're a speculator, it's 14% down. So if you feel like the market is down and you're unhappy about it, you might want to re-examine your investor identity. Um, anyway, it basically what's happening right now in the stock market is really both familiar and fascinating. And at the same time, there's some issues going on that we haven't seen in about half a century. So very few people are around that remember it. What I mean by that is, uh, since I have been about half a century, either observing and investing or giving professional advice about the stock market, this looks so familiar. Every major bull market starts off like this one. Now, that does, that's not to say that I'm going to guarantee this is a bull market. I don't guarantee anything. But all I read is how the market is going to come down and things are going to be bad and a big recession is coming. And for the last nine months, the media and the pundits have been predicting a big recession and a collapse of the market. And this is the most forecast recession, I think, in history. And it just, as a result, very well may not happen. Um, and that's just the nature of. And I don't know who coined the term. I, I heard Philip Cray say it once, and I've heard John Templeton say it. Uh, and that is a bull market climbs a wall of worry. Can I guarantee this is a bull market? No, but I can tell you it sure has all the earmarks. And despite the fact that the tea leaves, meaning the inverted treasury yield curve, are saying we're headed for a big recession, we may not be, and we'll talk about that later. Um, anyway, 
one of the big things that's going on in the market right now, about 10% of the S&P 500 companies have reported earnings for the first quarter. And earnings are the big thing that drives the market. The higher the earnings, the higher the market's supposed to be. Um, so with the yield curve inverted, with the leading economic indicators down for 11 months now, I think it's 11 months they've been down. Since they've July, been down. yeah. Yeah. Well, since July, so it's not 11 months, but they've been, they've been saying we're headed for a recession. We're headed for a recession. The yield curve says we're headed for a recession. There's some other indicators that say we're not, by the way. But the interesting thing is the stock market doesn't act like there's a recession coming in. And 80%, 82% of the reporting companies so far on the S&P 500 have substantially beat estimates. Now, that's much higher than normal. And the first 10% of companies reporting on the S&P 500 generally set the tone for all the rest that will follow. So we've got a position, this is Jeff's opinion, I suppose Jake probably agrees with me on this, that the pundits have determined that we're going to have a recession and the market's going to crash. And once they get attached to that notion, it's really hard for them to move away from it. And they're busily trying to talk the market down, which is typical of the first stage of a bull market. Yeah. And what's an interesting is, concept. I'm going to add to this. I know we're <clears throat> not through what's happened in the market yet, but just to add it, quite often when people predict recessions, they're doing it based on the leading indicators and one of the leading indicators is the market. And the market said, "Hey, we might be having a recession." And they bottomed out it bottomed out in October, which meant it was predicting a recession in the spring of 2023. Well, now we're through the, into spring and we're not seeing the recession yet. Now, unemployment, new unemployment claims are up above <clears throat> the average from 2019 for the last month or so. So we're having some uh, new unemployment claims coming out, but the job openings have shrunk a little bit, but they still doubled the amount of people looking for jobs. So that's those are all very confusing signals. How's that? For and, you? <laughs> well, this is one of the problems is looking at 2019 or 2020 or 2021. Uh, the long term average for for unemployment insurance claims is we still have lower than the long term average. Well, then 2019, you're right, had a lower than normal average of 220,000 people a week. And we're like right. 239,000 right now. So it's higher than that. But you go back but, through the average from before <clears throat> that. And this is still within, well within the realm of normal growing economies. So mm -hmm. even that as a negative is only kind of a negative. The leading indicators with interest rates. Well, that makes sense because interest rates have jumped way, way up. It makes it harder to get loans. Is that enough to put us in the recession? And anybody that's been trained academically in any way on the subject will say, maybe. <laughs> anybody that yeah. really wants a good headline will say, for sure. And if you want to be ultra sure about something and not get a headline, you say, for sure, we won't have an, a recession. So the people that are claiming there's going to be a recession, if you look at their track record, that's a normal claim for them. They claim it a lot. Our take on this is that we're mildly optimistic that we won't have a recession, but there is a, an increasing likelihood that we may. So this is what does that mean? Um, it means keep your savings well stocked and... Um, don't dump when the market is down unless you're in one stock and that stock is going bankrupt. And even then you should be doing your due diligence. We recommend against being in just one stock. Um, well, back to the market though. Well, the other side, the other part of the market that we look at the CRSP mid cap value 
index was up 0.59%. Um, wasn't down. It was up this week. It's up. It's still down about half a percent from where it uh, began the year, but it's up 50% from three years ago. Uh, again, we are in uh, recently, at least, uncharted waters. And <clears throat> a lot of interesting things going on. The 10-year U.S. Treasury note yield bounced around wildly during the week, kind of like the stock market did, and pretty much wound up where it started the week. This is a lot of what we're seeing. Um, it's now yielding 3.57% versus 3.52% at the last week. Um, but the Treasury yield curve is very inverted. Um, the two, three, and six-month yields, if you annualize them, of course, obviously, if you buy a three-month uh, T-bill. It's really hard to annualize that because you would have to somehow buy the same contract four times in a year yes. at the same interest rate, which doesn't make right. any sense. But yeah, go ahead. Um, it's, they're yielding on an annualized basis 5%. But notice that they don't have, they don't run for a full year. So it, we, when you have short-term rates at 5% and the 10-year rate sitting out there at 3.57, that's called an inverted yield curve. And historically, it has forecast a downturn in the economy. Well, this time, the downturn is probably a good idea. And it doesn't necessarily mean a recession is coming. And that's a little strange. The uh, interest rates, short-term interest rates, will probably go up another quarter percent. There seems to be a consensus uh, on the voting members of the board, the Federal Reserve Board, Open Market Open Market Committee that sets these numbers, that another 20, another quarter percent rises in the, it's pretty much penciled in in their notebooks, and then probably level off and not raise interest rates for a while and see what happens. A uh, lot of, lot of news media time, voices and print have been spent on this, but I think it's ironic because about nine months ago, Chairman Powell was making having news conferences, and when he was pressed, and when the members of the board were pressed, they were saying mm, probably about five and a quarter percent is as high as we'll go. Well, right now the federal funds rate, which is the interbank lending rate, is four point seven five to five. If they raise it another quarter, it'll be to five and a quarter, which is nine months ago what Chairman Powell suggested it would go to. And of course, a tremendous amount of time and effort has been put in speculating about where it's going to go between then and now, and whether he is uh, worthy of being believed. And there's still a lot of uh, people spending a lot of time talking and writing about this, and it looks very much like um, there's no news here. He said we'll probably need to jack up interest rates to about five and a quarter percent, let them sit there for a while and see what happens. And nine months later, we look at it, and that's he's still saying the same thing, and it looks like that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, a lot of drama. Uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil dropped in price, which the seventy-seven eighty-seven. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because it causes the price of gasoline and diesel and so on at the pump where you buy it and where you spend the money to fall. And why is it doing that? Well, despite the fact that OPEC said we're going to cut production. The uh, Energy, what, did, what was the name of the organ? The Energy Information Administration in the United States released a report that said global oil production is likely to increase by 1.5 million barrels per day I just during it, this year. I just call it EIA, EIA, yeah. because it's all vowels as the acronym, which is really weird, but it mm -hmm. makes it fun. Well, it, it boils down to the fact that there's a lot of noise out there, a lot of people speculating, and a lot of 
cross signals. And there's some really good reasons for the cross signals, and we'll get into them probably during the presentation today. Yeah. We have a question out there from Philip. Um, Philip, uh, there was no subject line, and I am interpreting from your last sentence and the maximums on here that you're talking about the series I bonds. Um, he says, we talked about them last year. You could put in $10,000 per year max with an additional 5,000 from a tax return. He wants to know if they're still a, a good investment right now. So let me kind of give you a more broad glance at what is an I bond. Uh, it's a savings bond from the U S treasury. Um, it is a decent investment. You just have to know what you're getting into in advance. So this is important to understand. Anything you put in them cannot be withdrawn for 12 months, period. There's no way to get it out. They, you can't just take a penalty or whatever. You have to be able to lock it up for a full year. And after that year, to the five-year point, anything that you take out of there is going to give you a penalty of the interest you would have earned in the last quarter. I know that's kind of some complicated stuff, but the, the Series I savings bonds are paying 6.89% right now, up to April 30th. Uh, and then they'll reset their rates. You'll have your rates set in for six months based on when you purchase. So if you buy this month, you'll have 6.89% for six months guaranteed. And then they'll change it to the next rate. They set that rate based on what's going on with inflation right now, which is why it's so much higher than what the bank is offering and so on. The, the difference between the bank and a Series I Series I is guaranteed by the government. A bank is FDIC if you keep within the limits. Due diligence is needed there too. But 6.89 is a lot more than what a bank is paying right now. You have the negative of having that money locked in for 12 months. You can't get it out. That's not the case in most CDs. Most CDs, you have some ability to get your principal back out, even if it means you lose some interest. So it's still good if you have excess savings that you're not going to touch for 12 months, say you're saving for a house next year and you want to put some money away. If there's two of you in the family, two adults in the family, you can each put in $10,000. Your tax return could be an additional $5,000 each. It's a good place to put money that's kind of medium term. Not really short term because you can't get it out, but not really long term either because those interest rates are going to come down with inflation. So that's that's my overly wordy answer to that. Are they still attractive? Yes, they're a higher interest rate than you can get in a normal cash position. And they come with a guarantee that is ironclad so long as we raise the debt limit at Congress. <laughs> and therein is the rub. And one of the things that we need to talk about at some point. Yes. Uh, I spoke uh, about that a couple of weeks ago as that being a extremely dangerous. But uh, do you have a wrap up? For this episode? Well, I guess the wrap up is the economy is doing very, very well. It's still running above normal speed. There doesn't seem to be any signs of a recession on the horizon and the dollar is solid throughout the world. That's fantastic. And what we would say, we would say this if there's a recession coming or not, increase what you have in savings, pay down your credit cards, make it so that you are living within your means. I would say that at any point, we say it a lot. Get enough in savings that you've got your short-term emergencies covered. Pay down your debt. And this is still a fantastic economy to do that in. Most people are getting paid more, even adjusted for inflation, than they were pre the pandemic. So it's a good time to do this. And we're about out of time. We actually do give 
personalized, customized investment advice to individuals and corporations and foundations and trusts. So if you would like to talk to us at a fiduciary level off the air, locally, our phone number is... 254-947-1111. Now that's going to lead you to voicemail during the week, but we actually have, we don't have a phone tree. We have real live people answering during business hours. Um, if you would like to reach that toll free, presuming you still have a landline, it's 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. Uh, you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com where you can read our newsletters going back a long ways. Uh, you can uh, listen to our podcast there, listen to our radio programs going back a long ways. You can sign up for the newsletter and actually get it every Friday evening as it goes out. They're in-house produced by bald people uh, together uh, with some staff support. The majority, vast majority, is written by Elder Baldy. He is amazing in that. Uh, if you'd like to email us, it's Jeff and or Jake at tpwc.com. Until next week, thank you for listening, and this is The Personal Wealth Coach.